0: Hello, everybody! This is Andrea Levoff, and I am here on my Dope-Ass Podcast, where I interview dope-ass people about dope-ass shit. But today, I have the one and only Beth Lapides on. And I know I say I'm excited about everyone, and I truly, truly am. We recorded this episode before and had some technical difficulties, so I'm excited to hear. I really do believe in, in divine timing. And I know whatever we talk about today is going to serve you and serve me and serve Beth. And I'm excited because Beth is a powerhouse. She's a comedian. She is the founder of UnCabaret, like probably the biggest alternative comedy movement to date. And it's been a show that's running live in L.A. for over 25 years. I'm so excited to have her here. Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Hey! I can see her beautiful face. I can see your beautiful face. I was putting on makeup before because I was looking a little green. I don't know why. Oh, maybe December.
1: (laughs) 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 Or is it all your kale drinking? Is it the kale juice or December?
0: It might be the kale. It might be the the smoothie I have every morning. Really Mm. the only assured greens I get. So that's what I do every morning because that's the only time I know for sure Mm. that I'll get greens.
1: Okay. Wow, that's a commitment yeah. to greenery. <laughs> I have I'm no so assured I... greens. You don't? <laughs> no, not assured. No meal
0: where you know you're gonna have greens? Not assured. Not assured. <laughs> assured. Assured greens. What are the assured things in life? So few. So few. But for me, the morning greens. Okay. Um. Yeah, so here we are. We've recorded before. Yes. And we had some technical difficulties. But I know that divine timing, we're this is the conversation we were meant to have. Everything's unfolding in perfect and divine order. Perfect timing. And today slower than normal. We were talking about that. I think yeah. it's the holiday season, but it does feel like time has stopped. Um, time but is, I don't, yeah. Well, anyway, let's talk about time. We could have a you. We, we talked about Santa Claus one time. Do you remember this? And we talked about Santa and timing and you had a lot to say about Santa even though you were Jewish.
1: Yes, I was Jewish and I and am you are yes, And you still are yes throughout time. Um, yeah, you know the, I at some point I became very interested in the idea of Santa being everywhere and how that was possible And maybe it wasn't really a myth because you know There are these gurus who supposedly can be in more than one place at one time and the idea that Santa is really there to teach us that um. We are in more than one place at one time. And the time is not this linear structure that we insist that it is. And um, there's a magic. That's one of the great magics of Christmas.
0: I love that. I mm-hmm. absolutely love that. And I, I've thought about that before, but I didn't remember what you said, but I knew I liked it. So, thank Mm. you for telling me again. (laughs)
1: Like every good fairy tale. This is one of the the reasons why I love you so much. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Even better. Just like the podcast. Even better the second time. Even better the second time.
0: Yes. I love that. I love that. So, I met you for my listeners that don't know, which is probably most of them. I met you because of a Google search. I was doing my uh, getting my master's degree in spiritual psychology and we had to do a second year project and mine was comedy. And I don't even remember what I Googled, but it was something along the lines of comedy coach. I needed a mentor and you popped up and I called you or I emailed you and then we got on a call and I said I wanted to do stand up and you said, okay, let's get, well, you know, let's get this going. Are you funny? I think maybe you didn't ask me that, but you're probably. <laughs> trying to figure
1: that out. (laughs) Are you are you? Well, I always trying to figure out if you're funny, if you just are, are like, if there's funniness, is the funniness realized? Is it all potential? Is it really the funniness? You know, sometimes people reach out. It's, it's, it's funny. I think this is true in all of life that you know, we don't even know where we're headed when we're headed there and so sometimes you get a call for something whether it's a job or for coaching or whatever it is people just kind of looking and they're not sure so is it really comedy you want to do or is it storytelling or you know what anyway yeah you were very sense. delightful i mean i i don't get a lot of calls from people who have the spiritual psychology comedy overlap and that made me happy to get that call.
0: well that's i think that's why i found that's what i loved so much about you and that's why i found you because my one of the questions that i've struggled with is can comedy can comedy be spiritual can spirituality be funny and so when i went to that
1: well those are actually two those are two good questions they're not the same question either can spirituality be funny like can you go to i mean if you go to like a service you'll have a minister or rabbi and they can be funny but if you go to a funny place, can they also be spiritual? You know, it's like, which context? are? Context is everything.
0: Context is everything. So I that think is, my
1: question was, can
0: comedy be spiritual? Right? That was yes. my question.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think so. And what is, do you feel we found an answer? <laughs> I do
0: feel we found an answer.
1: And I, do answer feel, yes? I do feel, I do
0: yes i i think yes the answer is yes okay end yes. of podcast thank you
1: <laughs> better the second time around brought to you by yes um brought to you by yes brought to you by yes uh i sometimes you know for yeah i i'm a visual artist in you know by uh profession early in my career and only now for fun and um I sometimes would just paint yes i just painted yes i just would paint yes to try it because i feel like i can be so negative and i feel like um i mean if you want to talk about a dope ass life and you know what's not creating the dope ass qualities in your life it's no is the thing Mm -hmm. and of course i mean it's tricky because you need boundaries but um i once had somebody say you're so so negative for a positive person. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not.
0: I think I need no. I think it depends on the person, right? Because I need no. I need no. You I'm need a yes. Andrews. I'm a yes, yes, yes. I'm you a are. yes person. Yeah. So I need, I need more nos. Mm.
1: Okay. I'll remember And that. then
0: that leads to more yeses.
1: You know? Yeah, more, I mean they're they're yeah. completely intertwined. I mean it's a yin and a yang kind of thing. You can't have a yes that doesn't contain a no, and you can't have a no that doesn't contain a yes. But um, I think it has to do with living the living. I mean bigger words than yes and no are acceptance and resistance and going with the flow and creating your own reality. I mean saying yes can sometimes mean you're just responding and you're not generating. You know, Correct. saying, yeah, you know, it can just mean you're not enough creating the situation and you're saying yes to whatever comes along. And yeah, I mean, saying yes too much is obviously burnout. People burn out from yes. There's a great difficulty in that. Um, but there's also, you know, either, I mean, that's the, one of the great funds is to, to understand. There's no answer. It's just, it's one of the matrices, the yes and no matrix. Right.
0: One of the many matrixes. One of the many we, matrixes we discuss. to play with. <laughs> so at what, at what point in your career did you, cause you're so good at helping people and you're so good with questions Aww. and asking the right questions. And Thank so you. what point did you decide or realize that you had this ability to help other people instead of just producing your own stuff, which you still do and have done. But at what point did you realize that was one of your gifts?
1: Well, and also my own stuff is always the, if I don't have that, I can't, I can't help other people. Like it's put on your own mask first. It's like, if I'm not doing my own work, I can't teach or coach. Like I have to have the front burner of the stove be my work and then the back burner is helping whoever I can help along the way while I'm doing that. Um, I really knew as a child, I mean, I honestly, I had a blackboard and I played school and I was teaching some mysterious thing. If you look on the pictures, it's like, I don't know what I thought I was teaching, but I would expound. And you know, I just loved (laughs) the feeling of being at a blackboard. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And you know, I think other kids are playing school. I don't remember any dolls. I don't remember. I mean, yeah, I had dolls, but I don't, but I really loved the blackboard and the stuffed animals uh more than like i don't remember ever playing house I had barbie because that was kind of like a dating fantasy but um in terms of like yeah so i knew early on then you know i taught periodically throughout my whole life i taught photography in college and um i modeled i was a nude model in art school and and that also put me in the teaching realm and um there were other things along the way but When I really started teaching in earnest was we were doing Uncab and it was such a new form of comedy and so much storytelling. And then comedians who weren't part of it were asking how would they learn to do it? Because if you wanted to do straight ahead, regular comedy, basically, you know, you would go to open mic nights or there were classes, but how do you learn to do this thing? And, uh, there was a call for it. So, uh, I answered that call and it kind of took off. That was about, um, I think that was around 2001 and the teaching evolved from there. I mean it was very, at the beginning it was really just that, just teach that, and then you know more different people started to come in, and there were authors coming in, and there were storytellers coming in, and there were TV writers coming in who wanted to learn how to pitch better. It just kind of grew on its own. And then also the spiritual part, um, I somehow got hooked up with Kripalu and then regular people wanted to do it as a life growth experience. Mm -hmm.
0: And do you think that, can you teach anyone to be creative? Do you think that everybody is innately creative or? That's
1: funny. It's a question people really ask or can anybody be funny? Um, Anybody can be funnier. I mean, it's the same way as like anybody can look better I mean anybody can anybody can improve any part of their life I, I've learned to sing am I ever gonna sing like you're the best singers? No, you know But I've learned to sing enough that it changed my life And I'm you know not embarrassed to sing in front of people and if I have a song I want to include I can Um And I think everybody can get funnier. Everybody can know their, everybody can know their story and everybody can benefit from knowing their story and everybody can figure out what's funniest about themselves. I mean, there are some people who are so naturally gifted with comedy and they come to class or maybe they're not, you know, just they're in the world, but there are people that come in and it's like, I don't know, I might be funny. And then they stand up and do a thing. It's like, oh my God, you're so funny. You're just naturally funny and you don't know what to do with it and I'll help you. And other people are like, they so want to be funny and they're not that funny, but they can become funnier and they can get as funny as they could be. Do you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Yeah, that makes sense. They can have a full expression of the amount of funny they have.
0: So you think we're all born with a a certain capacity to be funny and it, 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 some are different than others and we can certainly get to that. It's kind of like
1: very little. I mean, (laughs) and some people don't, and some people don't value it. I mean, there are very few people who value it who have none. Okay. Yeah, that's fair.
0: I think that's a nice thing. I think that if you don't, that if you don't have it, you probably, if you, if you value it, then you have some capacity to be it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know in the gifts that were given, I mean, it has to do with a really a clear assessment of everybody's gifted with certain things. And it has to do with being able to be honest with yourself about what your gifts are, and work on the parts of your skill set, that maybe aren't fully developed enough to honor your gift, let's say. Mm hmm. Does that make sense that so in sense. any given thing whether it's essay in acting it's easier to talk about because people experience it so frequently i mean everybody watches things where there are actors so in that um if you watch acting you see there's memorizing there's looks there's emotive ability there's ability to connect with other people There's the ability maybe invisible to the viewer of being able to navigate the networking, the thick skin you need for rejection. There's so many different parts of what it takes to do any one thing that you have to sort of be honest with yourself. Like, like for me, I hate post-production. I hate it. Don't like it, you know, and I'm just have to look at it and go, okay, you know, how do I trick myself into doing it or make myself do it? Or, you know, there are all sorts of things. I love the innovation. I loved inventing on cabaret. It was new. It was, ah, you know, I love that part and and the inventiveness of it. Um, and I'm able to stick with it. I have many great qualities that have helped me enormously, but you have to keep looking at the things that aren't, you're not, that aren't the best for you and either find people to, you know, help you and support you in those things or learn to do them better. And, Anyway, everybody's not gifted in everything. And part of having a dope-ass life is knowing what you're gifted at and sort of giving that a chance to shine and not, not, I mean, it'd be silly for me to try to, what would be part of show up? You know, it's like, I think about directing. There are parts of my personality that are so like the writing and the, you know, but then I think of all the post-production and I just think, I don't know if I could bear it, you know? So you have to kind of figure out where you, what's good for you.
0: Do you have ways that you trick your or not trick yourself but do you have ways that you get through the the tasks or the things that you sort of have to do that you don't love to do? Is there some some way that coffee. you yeah. Coffee. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Are you drinking it right now?
0: Of Are you one of those people that can, you're one of those people that can drink coffee all day
1: and then I say that but I also have trouble sleeping. So I can but should I yeah. be I, you know maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. know. I try not to fret about it too much. I don't know if I, if I can't fall asleep, I just, whatever. I don't know. I just, I do love coffee. I think it's good for me. It's good for me. I think of it as a health food. That's assured. That is one thing that is assured every day is enough coffee. <laughs> well, I started drinking soy cappuccinos from Starbucks because oh, of you. Cause we I'm met so- that one time in LA. Sorry. <laughs> I don't like to pawn the soy off on people. I don't think it's that great for you. It's I don't either. I think oat milk. Habits. Have you had oat milk? i have i i feel it's very very fattening you think so and also i don't drink soy cappuccinos all day i just like to be clear about that this is just like a black coffee i'm just sitting here I,
0: i'm glad that coffee. you said that because i on my last a couple podcasts ago i made a comment that i had a diet i drank a diet coke every day uh-huh. no, no no i said i said once a week uh-huh. which is like not true at all. I don't know what out of body experience I was having when I said that. And my trainer was listening to it. And he was like, he sent me a text. He's like, I don't even know who you are anymore. Like, I don't. I don't know if you're lying to me. I don't know if you're lying to them. Do you ever Do you ever do that
1: while on stage or say something that's just
0: completely uh, not true
1: from uh, um, I, you know, I can't say I never have in all my time on stage, but, um, you know, there certainly is a tendency to exaggerate for comedic effect. I mean, that is okay. one of the tools of comedy. Thank I mean, you. You know, it's in the, like, if you're going to teach somebody beginning comedy, you're going to say, like, there's like 10 tools and one of them is exaggeration. That is one okay. of the easiest ways to make something funny. Is exactly. Exaggerate. Yeah. Joel, Though I would have to say one Diet Coke a week is not enough to really create a comic effect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So basically you're saying I failed at telling the truth and I failed at (laughs) making it funny. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) But now in retrospect, you are finding the humor in it. I am.
0: I don't, it just came out of my mouth. I don't know what.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not chugging soy by any stretch. yeah. Yeah. Once a day. Uh, not even, you know, maybe okay. five a week or something. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I think Starbucks. I'm sorry, they'd make a good soy cappuccino. I exactly. agree.
0: I have them when I'm at the airport. Do you have Do you have special things that you only have while you're at the airport?
1: The urge to leave.
0: <laughs> do you not like the airport?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, le-
0: I mean, at the like airport, I'm so
1: excited about leaving or coming okay, or coming yeah. or going. No, no yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, no, I love the airport. I love you know the. um I love the people watching and I love, I mean, you know, whatever, I have the same thing everybody has. It's stressful, but it's exciting and I that. agree. Yeah. Yeah. You never know who you're going to run into. I like airport fashion. Oh yeah. That's, a, that's interesting. People, yeah. are they going to go for, do you, do you like go super comfortable or do you get dressed up?
0: I used to go super comfortable, but lately I've gotten dressed up. I almost sat next to um, Colin Farrell one time on my way to LA. Uh-huh. Is that a, that's an actor right yeah, colin? Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 um a cute one A cute and famous actor. he was sitting uh a seat in front of me and then and that was as close as i got and i was oh. mad because i thought
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> i was mad because the man that was sitting beside him i felt like didn't fully appreciate like that he was sitting next to colin farrell
1: that's a good point so then they I should felt, really work that out.
0: I think they should. I feel like I don't know what kind of sign that was, but it was almost like you're you're close, but no <laughs> not <laughs> no really <calling.
1: laughs> but a full wall between you. Yeah. I like to get dressed up to travel. I like to feel like I I like to get dressed up all the time. I mean, I have, you know, one of my favorite jokes. I and mean, I don't I tell mostly stories and mostly new, but I have a few things I like to say all the time and I always like to say you know, people ask me why I'm so dressed up. I say because I'm on my way somewhere better. Oh, I love that! I mean, can, can I, I still go that? somewhere better? No, you cannot. <laughs> 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 I just like to. I like the feeling that life is worth dressing up for. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm so in the. i so. I'm not in the majority on this.
0: You're in the majority here because I agree with you yes well you're sitting in your closet i am do people know that yeah i think
1: so oh okay they do now they (laughs) do you know when i here's sort of a funny story that is um very maybe sort of set the tone for my whole life when i was little i i'm gonna say in the five six zone I always like to dress up like this wasn't a later in life thing like I used to really like to dress up I there are pictures of me playing in the sandbox in like a full-on party dress oh wow and I think I drove my mother insane because she was very like a dinosaur lesbian but married I mean she was very just like no nonsense and she's like ah and um, and I used to not only like to dress up I changed my clothes all the time and it drove her absolutely batty, and she padlocked my closet from the outside you know she locked it with a padlock so i couldn't get into my closet no way and uh so i say you know a lot of my friends have spent their whole lives trying to come out of the closet i've been trying to get back in
0: <laughs> <laughs> and she wouldn't give you the, the code i'm guessing
1: no there was a padlock like with a key was, Oh, like padlock locked Locked. I could not get into my closet. No, no code. Oh my God. And, you know, I'm five and it was like at adult height and there yeah, was no, no way in. That. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, it really can, conf- it was a very, I think it was a very confound it was a very potent because it's a very confounding thing to not be able to get into that magic place. I think it really maybe cement, you know, those hardship things that then send you off into your life because it made me want to, to create that magic place somewhere else. Like I almost think of my whole work and art and everything I've done as like creating that magic place. And on the other hand, you know, I also come from a place of um, my mom was super private and there was, I, you know, everything juicy about our family story, she would tell me and say, but you can't tell anyone, you know? And I'd be like, you know, I'm a writer. Like you understand I'm a like a writer. Right. <laughs>
0: And how so, what was her reaction whenever you would share did she ever i ha- didn't
1: actually say i'm a writer and like i'm gonna tell these things until you know maybe five years ago but um yeah she once told me that she just decided that everything i said on stage uh was made up for comedy okay i feel just like that's that it, one none way. of it was true but none of it was true
0: i i struggle with that now because i know that my mom and my parents listen to the podcast so hi. I, I hi mom hi dad <laughs> <laughs> but my last episode with whitney i i made a disclaimer i said you know what i said mom this is we talk about some things that i don't know that you know so you know listen at your own risk so
1: yeah 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 i mean yeah what are you I don't gonna know. do what, what are you gonna do, do? but you're a censor i mean i censored for a long, you know for a long time
0: and you don't censor anymore.
1: Well, my mom passed. so Right. And now there's too much. They can't take it all in. I don't know. Yeah, at yeah. a certain point. Now, yeah. any censoring is just for my, just my own. I censor. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, one of the interest. you know, it's one of the most interesting and boring topics at the same time, what you can say and how you can say it and putting it in the world and you can't take it back. And the now the Diet Coke is forever out there. You know, forever yeah. out there. Forever you, out there.
0: How do you decide what? Is there something that goes on inside of you when you think of something that you might want to say that determines whether or not you should say it? How do you decide what you say and what you don't say?
1: Uh, You know, that's a big and good question. One of the ways is like just a gut feeling, like it makes me feel queasy. Mm -hmm. And then there's like, why am I saying it? Is it part of something? Is it an important part of Is it a great story? Is it really funny? Is it just sensationalist to say? I mean, not even about the news, but just, you know, about myself. Is it, um, isn't it appropriate for me to say kind of, you know, I don't like to, I, I, I'm not great with anger and, um, and hate and the thing the negative emotions i don't express them that clearly i get very befuddled by them i'm not the i'm not the best person to be making the political argument about you know what makes me so mad um and also in my life i'm not generally motivated by sharing that so i mean part of me it goes back to the original question you asked can comedy be in you know inspiring was that what you're phrasing can comedy be inspirational spiritual
0: can it be spiritual can comedy help us I guess can comedy help us to move along our spiritual path or to grow in our consciousness or if we look at these things that are bothering us as triggers and you know calling us to heal is it beneficial for comedy is it beneficial to laugh are these are these things funny
1: well you know what's funny is pain I think so that I mean that is all that's funny. And when I say pain, I mean um, anything in the area of Pain plus time equals comedy. That's the I mean, that's the classic Equation, but so what is pain? I mean, it's anger. It's greed. It's vanity. It's Physical pain. It's sadness. It's depression. It's anxiety. It's dread it's fear, it's longing, all, I mean, more and on and on and on, all those things. And in great measure and in tiny measure. So, you know, I do think that there is, I mean, sure, there's also wordplay comedy and there's also comedy of errors and, you know, there's all sorts of different things. There's a fish out of water, but all those things do except for, you know, word, silly, whatever, but fish out of water is the comedy of being uncomfortable in your skin in a different environment. Um, You know, if you look at any of the comedy of errors is of course embarrassment and mistakes and disconnect and all those things. So um, there's really nothing in comedy that isn't about trying to move through pain and that is yeah spirituality is a funny word i mean that's a it's a big word and what does it mean to be spiritual and i guess for me i like to think of it as consciousness and um, expanding consciousness and shifting consciousness and how can i mean how can comedy not do that i mean there's so much comedy that doesn't even bother trying and it's just so boring to me Uh, But you know at a big level comedy is just about connecting great comedy is Always a comedian connecting with an audience and that very act of connection is a spiritual experience So and to laugh is to be you know, you are raised spiritually through the uh, through the experience of laughter you know is is lightning i mean you do feel better there's all these amazing physical things that happen to you the science of laughter and um so i i do think of it that way uh, unfortunately there's so much sort of low vibration environment that's been created in the comedy business so many clubs where there's so much alcohol and so many you know hate-filled comedians and so much comedy of despair and you know lashing out at other so there's plenty of comedy that doesn't do that it's just the comedy of like belittlement and the comedy of degradation um so there are these two schools of comedy and they they exist side by side and at the on the one hand you have people really grappling with amazing things i haven't seen it yet but i i've seen him and i know from thing i need to watch the great Depression. Gary Goleman and it's a whole hour, you know, on depression and mental health and Maria Bamford. And I mean, there's just so many people doing such great things in the mainstream of comedy. It's not like, oh, this is off to the side. And at the same time, you know, there's a lot of ugliness. I'm not going to name names. I think, you know, we all know who, where the ugliness is coming from. And you see it and you just sort of recoil and you try not to pay attention. So comedy really contains these two very different things that are happening and it's fascinating to see, it's like a civil war within comedy uh, right now. And you were seeing, I think this is, is this
0: what sort of inspired you to, without asking you to give us a brief history of alternative comedy, (laughs) 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 could you give us, I mean, you started on cabaret for part of this reason, this isn't a new phenomenon. I mean, this is,
1: yeah, this is, I mean, basically, you know i the seeds had been planted in me in ver very in various ways that are probably too too long but um you know i came out of the new york performance art world and then went into comedy in new york and when i came to la I was very uh distraught at the showcaseiness of it but okay i'm going along and then i was doing a set at the um comedy store one night and i was following andrew dice clay and will your listeners know who he is i know
0: i i always think of this i'm
1: putting my hand
0: around my head (laughs) and smoking a cigarette yeah yeah this
1: right He need to do this yeah yeah but while he was doing that he was really it was women bashing i mean that's what he did that was his act and i'm wait and i'm waiting to go on and he's on stage and he's doing that and it's just i'm hating him and then the audience is laughing and so now I'm hating them for loving him and now I'm hating myself for hating the audience and you know I don't do well with hate as I said and I just thought there's got to be a better way and I just couldn't figure out it couldn't really figure out what that better way was besides me being there and trying to do better sets and then um, I was doing a show at a little art space called the Women's Building, which is where Judy Chicago did her dinner party. Google it. And the, they were laughing too hard. You kind of know how funny your thing is. And then there's a great audience. I mean, it is a conversation, and a great audience can make you funnier. And, you know, there, that is a real thing. But, I, I mean, at the end, I said, "Well, I mean, when was the last time you guys laughed? I mean, they just seemed kind of desperate. And I, they were, like, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, did you oh, say don't... that? <laughs> yeah. I did. I said, "When was the last time you laughed?" I mean, this is not quite as funny as you think it is. <laughs> and, and they said, "Oh, we don't laugh. We're women, and we're artists, and we're lesbians. And if we go to a comedy club, they make fun of us." And I said, "Well, I'll make your show. It'll be unhomophobic, unxenophobic, unmisogynist. It'll be the uncabaret." And it really was a download. Like I don't know where it came from. I. It wasn't an idea in my head, but I did have the idea of oh, I ha- there must be a better way mm-hmm. So this is why I say um, You know, I've said to you just find the question figure out what the question is Don't obsess about the answer because the creative process is not linear. Just keep asking the question mm-hmm. and um, And so right there with the audience as part of it was Where it was born? so and we did the shows and they went really well but it was still very natal i think of that as the inception and then they lost their funding and i moved it somewhere else and it was me and taylor negron and judy toll and um that we ran for you know number of months late saturday nights and that was really the gestation and then we landed at this club called Luna park and we were there we he booked us for three sunday nights and um we were there for seven years from the week the club opened to when it closed while I had a radio show, daily radio show, and while we did it for Comedy Central, and while we did all sorts of other projects, and then they closed that club. And it's been, you know, we've moved around, it's sort of like a floating crap game, and we've had residencies at many places. And that's a thing too, because it's a thing that seems like a place, but it's really an idea, and it's an idea that keeps changing, and a little ephemeral, and it's a group of people, but that keeps growing, and it's a family, it's a tribe. It's a point of view. It's many things. Um, anyway, that's how it started,
0: and it's been going on for twenty five twenty six twenty six years about
1: forty, but I like <laughs> <laughs> once a week, <laughs> but where do you start counting from? I never knew where to count from. Do I count from that very first show at the women's building? yeah, do I, I count think so. from where I mean, that was in the you know
0: all you know, i know is i went to so. the anniversary the 25th anniversary show last yes. september yes. now it's november
1: yes and- but when i google 25th anniversary a, a, an npr story comes up that happened that was like seven years ago <laughs> oh. so i don't know really when it well, was the- just the name yeah. of it <laughs> <laughs> i feel like 25 is just the thing you celebrate it was around then i don't know andrea i have something called executive order disorder
0: you told me that last time we talked. I yeah. I might I it's might be Google. familiar with that. I, I yeah. think my daughter has that.
1: The where the order of things go and the years and the tracking yeah. of the facts. I don't know. But anyway, it's been around for for a long time. A long At time, least 25. 25 uh plus. Yeah. Kind of like the Diet Coke. I'm not sure. Not sure of numbers, of the numbers. or amounts. Amounts not... very, amounts very much mystify me. <laughs> a diet I just have to just like not it's like the measuring and the amounts It's you do so you do prefer do you
0: prefer for someone to tell you the amount or do you prefer not to
1: I prefer a diet where you can eat anything you want as long as just these foods as much as you want of a limited amount of type limited foods as much as you want got it got it but I don't know I've done it all I mean haven't we all done it all we've all
0: done it all I do better in extreme um situation so i do really well like if if someone were to tell me eat only raw food for a month
1: right right clear boundaries clear very clear to to bring it back around the yes and the no yes clear no's yes this is a yes this is a no yes yes you can eat these foods just be clear and everything else is just you don't even have to think about it exactly
0: and then that works for about a month and then it doesn't until it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> until, <laughs> until I break my rock with a martini and fried chicken.
1: Oh my God. Um, yeah. So that's how on started and, uh, it's been a wild ride and an adventure, you know, and it's been a balance a lot about, um, you know, how much of it I'm producing and how much of it is for me as a performer. I never wanted to be a producer, but in order to do the work I wanted to do, it, what did the it, context didn't exist? So there you go. So you created it, is what you're saying. So I created, you created it. it. Yes.
0: And is that, do you think that is how you live your dope ass life? You sort of saw this area that didn't, you saw this need for something that didn't exist and you kind of forged your own path and made it happen.
1: Yes, I love innovation. To me, that's one of the great parts of being an artist is not just the, you know, not executing within, but innovating. And um, My other innovation was I wanted to do a, I was on, I don't know if you remember a show called Politically Incorrect. Uh, That was Bill Maher's show before. I do. Yeah, I do remember that show. I was on that a bunch and the green room was always amazing. It was like, you'd be meeting all these people and it was sparks and then, you know, the show was great too. And uh, actually there's a great producer on that named, um, Scott Carter. Anyway, but I just thought, what if you could do a talk show that was like the green room, that would be great. So I came up with this format that was called the couch where we, the guests wouldn't meet each other, but they would also be booked very specifically to like at a party where you're like, oh wow, Andrea, I really wanted to introduce you to, you know, whatever. So like we had um, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall with Mike Mills of REM We're talking about being one member of a creative collective. And um, there was a guy who was the head of the Sierra Club who had just written a book called Act Now, I'll Apologize Later. And I had him with Andy Dick talking about apologies. Um, anyway, we booked a John C. Riley whose dad had just died with a voodoo priestess. So, you know, it was very specific. That's so and, cool. Um, it was greenlit and then canceled before it got on the air. It was so sad. Oh, that's so just, sad. I yeah. love that idea. Yeah, it was really great. We did a pilot. It was, it was wonderful. Um, and
0: it was a live show? I mean, it was a TV show. No, it show. wasn't
1: live, actually. It was shot and then we edited it. That was one of the ways that, I mean, editing is, you know, anyway. Yeah. That was what it was. That was innovative. That was innovative. I'm working on a new new show now that I think is pretty innovative, but some of you know, I, 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 I You know uh, other times in my career like I had a talk show a radio show that was Right right when streaming was starting so it was a radio show and it was streaming 20 You know the network was streaming and it was also on terrestrial radio and it was just like three years too early, you know, it lasted a year and they ran out of money Um I'm doing an audio book now that is a direct to audio, and that's a new medium. Can you tell Um, us
0: more about that, or is that secret?
1: It's not secret, but it's not uh, ready to uh, share yet. I'll be ready to share it and with all your listeners, and you know, maybe. Well, I think it will be out in June or July, something like that. Okay, awesome. I'll start talking about it in a couple months.
0: Okay, well, I'll definitely have to have you back. And we can Thank talk you. about it, Oh, but, but for now, tell, tell my lovely listeners where they can find Hi. you, where they can oh. find more information. Oh. Perhaps they oh. want to be coached or just learn more.
1: Yes. Want more? I want to take in more of my writing or my coaching or my comedy or just the vibe of me. And your um, newsletters are, are oh, pretty you fabulous. Oh, love those, right? I do love Thank your newsletters. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. You know, I started writing in those just because I couldn't bear to just send out newsletters that were just click for tickets. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just seemed too, it's just too awful, you know, so. <laughs> <I> just...
0: <laughs> they're very thoughtful. I mean, they're very, just sort of like this conversation. You kind of sit there and go, huh, yeah, that's in, like, there's a lot of little portals to, to dive to down things? and to
1: follow. Oh, and, yeah. portals. 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 Um, I'm on Instagram, I, as you are, uh, as many of your listeners have probably come to you through Instagram. I'm Beth underscore Lapidus. I don't know how the underscore happened. I regret it. It's one of my, when people, if they ever say, what are your great life regrets? I say the underscore. <laughs> the underscore.
0: <laughs> so you just chose to throw in the underscore. There was no other just- they
1: might have suggested it. I guess there was another Bethel Pitas. Another. You would, would never have just picked an underscore. No, no, no. They must have suggested it, and I said okay. And Instagram was new, and who knew it was going to even be a real thing? And who that the underscore would haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> 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 Haunted by the underscore. Anyway, Beth underscore Lapidus, L-A-P-I-D-E-S. Also, UnCabaret is on Instagram, two separate accounts. And and uh, Twitter. You're a, tw- and, you're, a, and you're a tweeter. I'm a tweeter, and uh, that's, that's you know, its own madness. Uh, Facebook, I, I and I, I you know, very, di- it's a different, they're all different platforms. And so whatever, Pete, wherever you are, I'm on Facebook. Um, UnCabaret is also on Facebook. And then subscribe to my newsletter. You can get the newsletter. And even if you're not in L.A., there's. You know, links to everything, and we tour a little bit with On Cabin. I have my show 100% happy, 88% of the time that I'm hoping to tour if I can, you know, muscle it uh, into the next draft soon. And um, of course, there'll be this audiobook, and that's the newsletter. And I love working remotely with people, as Andrea can attest. And um, those are the ways to contact me, you know, follow, friend. Tag, tag, tweet. <laughs> All right, Beth. Thank you so
0: much for doing this. Agreeing to do this again. <laughs> I agree. I love talking to you. You know that. I, I adore you. love talking to you too. Yeah.
1: All, All right. Well, hopefully. when you in your closet. <laughs> 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 well, here's to a dope-ass life, honey. Here's to a dope-ass life. Thank
0: you, I'll Beth. You okay. Thank bye-bye. You. This podcast was produced by Dante32.